This is the Cybercast, brought to you by AtNet Services. Thank you for joining this episode of the Cybercast. My name is Joel Sosby, and I'm joined by our VCIO, Mike Sylvester, our notorious VCIO. Notorious? What? Infamous? You you, you infamous, man? You didn't know you were notorious? No, I didn't. <laughs> but you'd rather be infamous? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Hey, by the way, everybody, you missed the best podcast we just recorded, but we had technical difficulties, so we had to delete it. <laughs> so we're going to try again. All right. Hopefully this one will be as good. Yep, yep. So the goal of the Cybercast is to simplify technology and cybersecurity for business leaders. And so that's our goal today. And today we're going to be dealing with something kind of interesting because this is something that we frequently hear as we're talking to business leaders about cybersecurity and about security in general. What's that, Mike? Well, a common myth, I guess we would say, um, which is, well, I don't have to worry. I'm, I'm too small to be hacked. I mean, they're going to go after the, the deep pockets, not me. We hear that a lot. Yeah, all too often. Yeah. So we're going to talk through that today. But first, we want to hit you with a couple of stats before we get you into some of the threats that we see that you've got to pay attention to and be aware of, and then how to overcome those as well in your business and reduce your risk. But let's hit them with a couple of stats. Want to? Well, first of all, it's all about location, location, location. Wrong stat. <laughs> wrong podcast? <laughs> wrong podcast, maybe. <clears throat> it's about money, of course, right? 95%, yes, 95% uh, of breaches are financially driven. Uh, and the cyber attacks just in the last year generated, and when I read this, Joel, I, I, I truly did nearly fall out of my chair, $1.7 trillion with a T, That's trillion insane. dollars. Uh, that is Almost double, that's significantly larger than the U.S. defense budget. And it's going up every year. So the fact remains, this is not going away. Nope. As long as there's money and clearly there's more than enough to go around, they're going to keep coming at all of us. Well, and I think we mentioned it on the last on the last podcast that we did, which is, you know, one of the things that we do, because we quite often hear from people, how do you guys stay on top of threats? How do you, how do you? investigate how to protect people against it. One of the things that we, we we use is breach reports that come out annually. Verizon comes out with one every year. So if you have a chance, the Verizon data breach report, just go and check that out. It's not super interesting reading, but there are some graphical representations of threats that come out. But one of the things that came out of that was that the same old type of threats, the same old type of attacks continue to work year after year after year, which means that as a business community, we're not getting wise to these guys. So nope. I mean, that's one of the things that we've seen. The other thing, you want to hit them with the other one? Well, the other thing is that the disparity or the difference between small business and large or even enterprise businesses, that gap has decreased dramatically and in many cases has even disappeared. Uh, Microsoft 365 is a perfect example. I mean, you've got Fortune 100 companies using it. You have two, three-person companies using it and everyone in between. Yeah, I mean, with cloud-based applications, we, we, we talk quite often with business leaders and one of the things that we that we help people realize when it comes to some of these threats is, you know, five years ago before most everybody had at least a portion of their data in the cloud. 
the, the threat actors, the bad guys, had to go looking for your data. Now they don't have to look to see where your data is. They know it's in 365, Salesforce, QuickBooks, yep. and all these other online services. And so it just makes it even more important when you're thinking about security to consider those cloud-based No, it's just a matter of how they just have to figure out how to get in. Yeah. They yeah. know where all your stuff is. Yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about a few things relative to small businesses. So, I mean, we've, we've, we're, we're kind of setting it up to debunk the myth that small businesses are too small to be hacked. Um, but let's talk about why small businesses are attractive to some of these guys. Well, it is a misconception that you're too small to be hacked. Um, the truth is small businesses are in many cases, more attractive targets. Uh, one of these reasons is, Generally, small businesses have less robust security measures, making them easier to breach. The cyber criminals know this. Also, small businesses, you're handling customer data, frequently valuable customer or sensitive customer data, and it can also be an entry point. If you have interfaces with other larger networks, payroll companies, you know, whatever the case may be, you could be a gateway, so to speak, to get at larger uh, targets. So a combination of these and, and some other factors makes even the smallest of businesses very appealing targets. Yeah, one of the things, too, I think that fuels a lot of that misconception is just the fact that you don't see a lot of small to medium businesses being breached that are hitting the news. At well, least. that's the thing. We only yeah. hear about the really, really big ones. Um, and the truth is it's going on in the small to medium sized business arena every single day. Every day. We've heard from a couple this this week, less than 20 employees, both of whom had been ransomed and uh, looking for help. So let's talk about some of the some of the main threats that we see from the report and just things that we hear about. Yeah. Uh, phishing attacks is something that people are familiar with, but maybe let's hit them with a couple things that they're not as familiar with. Well, phishing attacks, obviously, you know about. And the uh, only thing I would say about that is they're getting more and more savvy and accurate it's getting harder to, much more difficult to discern um, the phishing email for example from legitimate emails um, I won't bore our listeners with why but or know, me. Ch chat GPT or AI just as we're looking for ways to utilize that the, the bad folks are using it too yeah. um, another method that people are more than familiar with because we hear about it in the news ransomware that's where they get into your systems. They encrypt or basically make your data inaccessible and then demand some form of ransom uh, before they'll release it if they release it. Generally, they do uh, because it's a bad business model, you know, to, to not make good, so to speak. But this also is occurring every single day. The other thing, which is uh, now become the single largest method of attack is business email compromise and it's similar to phishing in that um it, it they are masquerading or impersonating they being an attacker uh, a high level executive c-level could be the owner ceo president uh, of the company and then sending out emails as that individual to employees to trick them into either divulging sensitive information uh, even transferring funds, initiating ACH or wire transfers uh, or <laughs> gift cards, whatever. Let's buy gift cards for all our employees or this this client. We've seen a lot of this. And, and like I said, this has become the number one in terms, surpassed ransomware in terms of uh, method of attack. 
the other thing is data or our data breaches. Uh, that's simply unauthorized access. Attackers getting access to customer data, your data, intellectual property. Clearly, there can be severe ramifications or consequences to that. Um, malware and viruses, those have been around from you know the very beginning, uh, but that can also disrupt operations, uh, take data, key loggers, whatever. It isn't new, but this is a continual and ongoing threat. And they're prolific, particularly through email and increasingly more just on website access. It's not just the days of, hey, you got an email with an attachment. Don't open the invoice attachment. It's now links, right? Click on this to go to this website or you're browsing, you're doing research, you're searching online, click on a link that looks like it's something you, that would interest you and you've been directed to an infected or malicious website. So those are some of the some of the, the main areas that we're talking about and seeing. It's pretty gloomy, man. Yeah, sorry, am I sound it's actually Halloween is coming up. Am I, I know, sounding too, I know. Is that, am I sounding too gloomy? <laughs> what well, we're giving them some some news or some perceived bad news out there. Let's give them some good news. So what are some things that the businesses can do to insulate themselves against some of these things? Well, the good news is that there are things that small businesses can do. Um, probably the single most important thing is training, awareness, employee awareness. Uh, basically training your employees to recognize and respond appropriately to whether it's the phishing attempts, whether it's the business email, you know, purporting to come from the owner or CEO of the company or any of the other common threats, threats, uh, their, their awareness is increased. We've mentioned this before that security is 25% technology and it's 75% people and processes. So people continue to be, quite frankly, the weak link. Firewalls. I think we know about firewalls. Uh, uh, the only thing I'd mention there is uh, next generation firewalls do more scanning so that they're monitoring traffic, not just you know blocking certain outside. But um, there's something else, Joel, what you were going to ask me about. What was it? EDR, EDR and MDR, just kind of the differences between those. Cause I mean, we've heard, you know, advancements in antivirus technology beyond that to include, I mean, so let's, let's give them a snapshot of what that is. So managed detection and response, um, EDR is endpoint protection and response. Really the, the that would be MPR NPR news. No. M P R M P R. You said protection. I think it's detection. Oh, D D. My bad. See, I was just checking. It's all right. Yeah. See if you're listening. I'm listening. I'm paying attention. <clears throat> the managed uh, detection. Excuse me. Really, the only difference is that there is a team of individuals that there is a a proactive monitoring of what that endpoint detection. That's just the stuff that's installed on your computer or servers. Right. It's it's what is be replacing the old traditional antivirus. Um, that's just what we call it. And it's in here because it's being called out specifically on cyber insurance applications. So we're seeing that more and more that they're asking, not only are you using it, but what manufacturer of the software are you using? That's absolutely true. Yeah. Yep. For many of these and we'll you questionnaires that we're seeing. They're asking not just do you have a particular system or protection in place, but which 
product are you using? The next one on the list we talked about last time, but let's talk about the importance of patch management for an organization when it comes to protecting against this risk. Well, keeping everything, all software, including not just your operating system, but other applications uh, up to date, it's important to patch the for those critical vulnerabilities. Um, if you're using cloud-based applications, then you don't directly have control over that, but whomever your provider is, they are responsible, ask them. Ask them what their plan is. How do they patch? How do they ensure that their systems are protected? Next. Next one's access control, but not physical access <laughs> to your building. That's so what right. are we talking about in the access control context? We touched on this last time. We talked about least privilege. Basically, don't give people more access or access to more things, share drives, than they need to for their job. And absolutely don't let them use a username in their normal day-to-day -day business uh, that has administrative access. Keep a separate, like we mentioned in our last podcast, keep a separate login for that and use it only for administrative tasks. What we see uh, increasingly as we, uh, as we audit these is that people have been over-provisioned over on the access side. So companies started out small, everybody needed access to everything, and then profiles have been copied and pasted to other employees over time. So That's aud right. auditing those and making sure that you remove the levels of access that they don't need. That'd be the takeaway there. So backup, I think everybody would recognize that backups are important. In today's day and age, I mean, people have backups that they're doing. Most people that we talk to are doing off-site backups as well. But let's talk about a different kind of backup. Well, we talked about ransomware, and uh, the ransomware folks have figured out that they can't really hold you hostage if you can restore from a backup. So they now go after backups and encrypt those or delete those as well. So what has become critically important is having immutable or non-changeable storage for your backup. Simply put, the backups run. In this case, they're typically off-site, but they're, they're in an environment where it can't be, the data cannot be changed, it can't be deleted, uh, and that makes ransoming or the ransomware, the attacker's job much more difficult. And it's critically important. So look more into that. Make sure you have immutable storage for your backups. Also being called out on cyber insurance applications. Yeah, absolutely. That. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they'll ask, do you have offsite backups? But they're now asking more and more frequently, do you have immutable storage or immutable backups? Or even ransomware protection on backups. Yep. So we've seen that as well. So the last one that we've got on the list um, for decreasing your risk is having an incident response plan in place. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to our disaster preparedness episode, that was episode one. Go check that out because we give you some practical things to, to work through. But the takeaway from that was to have a documented plan that is tested annually. So that applies to incident response, disaster recovery, and business continuity That's as right. well. So one of the things that we frequently hear when we're talking to people is cybersecurity and some of these protections. We talked about the importance of not just having technology, but people in process. Um, but that for small to medium businesses, it's too expensive. So how, how do you how do you address that from a budget standpoint? Well, budgetary constraints. I, I, yeah, I mean, obviously, financial costs, budgetary constraints are a valid concern. But 
Cybersecurity does not have to break the bank. Small businesses can simply start with um, more basic, kind of a core group of security measures that include good cyber hygiene, things like complex passwords, complex and longer passwords, uh, MFA, multi-factor authentication on everything that you can, workstations, servers, uh, infrastructure, meaning your firewall, network switches, 365. Most people have MFA on their VPN. Uh, put it on everything. That's another thing. Uh, another item that we're seeing on cyber applications uh, is making sure that not just all endpoints, but other environments, you know, 365 is protected with MFA. Uh, and the other thing that you can do is consider outsourcing some of the aspects of your cybersecurity to a managed service provider. A lot of us, uh, our company's no different, but we have packages, if you will, where there we tailor to small businesses to give them uh, affordable coverage, protecting some of the key and critical areas. If you can eliminate or thwart, let's just say 75, 80%, which is what some of the stats come out with some of the basic um, tools, cybersecurity tools, uh, it's well worth the money. Now, maybe it doesn't make sense to try to protect against everything, yeah. but um, it does not have to be cost prohibitive. Yeah. Well, one of the things we've seen, because you mentioned cyber insurance earlier, but not having multi-factor included on everything, we've we've definitely seen incidents where people have tried to get tried to turn that into insurance and insurance has denied coverage by not having MFA. So that's just a simple example of something that needs to be in place. So that's included in that basic protection that Mike talked about. So let's talk about some growing trends, things that we're seeing in the marketplace that small to medium businesses need to be aware of. Sure. Let's talk about some of those. Can we ask AI, chat GPT? We got to go AI, 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 AI. It's like the cloud. We got to go to the cloud. Yeah. So I'm sure everyone knows what AI stands for. <laughs> Maybe you may or may not know how can we utilize that. But what's important to note is it's really just finding ways to increase automation. And this is happening in the with from the bad guys. I mentioned it. Uh, well, I thought about it. I might have mentioned it in the last podcast that got scrapped. Uh, but that the bad guys are using AI to to craft emails, these phishing emails that are much more difficult to uh, discern from being valid. But we're seeing more and more of that on the threat detection and response side. So uh, this technology has been in, in place for a little bit of time, but it's it's continuing to be expanded um, and increased. And, and this is a benefit because it helps drive down pricing, again, for small businesses making things that previously weren't really affordable except to large and enterprise customers or clients. Um, so this it's something that's a significant change. The other thing is regulatory changes. Um, you may or may not be in a regulatory, regulatory environment, but what we're seeing is many of those changes are still filtering down and will continue to do so, but they're tightening up. Privacy uh, is becoming stricter requirements around data protection. So compliance as a general rule is going to be uh, an increasing concern. Uh, the other thing we talked about cloud applications. Well, cloud security with more and more companies relying on cloud services. Some everything is cloud-based. There, there will absolutely be a greater emphasis on securing the cloud data and applications. And again, you don't necessarily have direct influence over this, but ask your provider. 
you know, request that they provide their um, plans, their processes, their disaster or IR plans, et cetera. But when you were talking about auditing accounts earlier mm -hmm. for permissions and using the least privilege, that would be something to apply to cloud accounts as well. Oh, absolutely. So we're talking about cloud security and the need for that, something to incorporate in there. Don't make an assumption that because your data is in the cloud, it's more secure. So hopefully that's a big takeaway from today because we hear that quite often. I've got it in the cloud, therefore I don't have to worry about it anymore. That's just simply not true. So something to consider when yep. you're thinking about that. And so then, si go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say. Yeah, cyber insurance that's is, the other is thing next that, on the list. Yeah. We've hit it a couple of times, but let's talk about what we've begun to see over the last 12 months. Well, basically, the, the first cyber policies that we saw had very little, I mean, three, four, five questions, right? In the last year, uh, they are getting much more detailed and specific. We've already mentioned some of that, but we're continuously or, or consistently, I should say, seeing requirements for managed detection and response we talked about you know the endpoint protection and that it's managed monitored um, mfa on everything multi-factor on everything possible and don't let one device go unprotected even if it's the ceo saying well that's a hassle i don't want my workstation you know mfa or 2fa protected I, we see it time and time again. The one open door ends up being the, the way they get in. The exceptions get compromised yep. every time. The other thing we're seeing on in these uh, insurance questionnaires, policies, is some foreign, form of vulnerability management, continuous vulnerability management, so that there's a monitor and identification of vulnerabilities so they can be patched, like we talked about patching. Immutable backups, critically important. And then that cybersecurity uh, tra user training and user training, all of those are appearing very consistently now. And, and the list is going to grow, quite frankly. Oh, it continues to grow, and especially with cyber insurance. I mean, we're seeing that. You mentioned five questions. It's now five to ten pages, just depending, yes. on, the, depending on the carrier. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, this is good stuff today. Thanks. Cybersecurity Awareness Month. I know. And it's Halloween coming up soon, too. Well, and hopefully, uh, exactly, exactly. You going trick or treating this year? No, no. That was last year. Your I, la I digress. Last year for it. Last year in our neighborhood, my wife made little bags of candy. We made three hundred bags. We ran out in an hour and twenty six minutes. Wow! So we made four hundred and eight this year. <laughs> so hopefully, we'll see how long that lasts. Hopefully, you have enough, but yeah. you're. You've got a reputation, though, now. Apparently. You guys are handing out good candy. So. Yeah, we do. We don't give out that Big Lots garbage. Uh, no offense to any Big Lots customers, by the way. <laughs> now, this has been good today. And hopefully for, for small to medium business owners out there, we've given you something that you can take away from this, which is everyone needs to be concerned about security, not just the larger organizations, and that there are some things that you can do to protect yourself against some of these threats out there. So that's what we wanted there to be the takeaway and for it, today. And it does not have to break the bank. It does not. So don't don't go into this with that mindset. Yeah, and, and, and we talked about it. I think on our last episode on the disaster preparedness on the first episode that we did, we talked a little bit about business impact assessments and That's so right. helping to prioritize some of these things. So, I mean, there is a prioritization that you can walk through with this. We walk through it with clients all the time. So, I mean, we understand that there are no open checkbooks for any of this stuff. So get 
prioritization around your level of risk based on your risk to revenue. So that's a best practice. But we appreciate everybody tuning in today. Special thanks to our producer, Austin Campbell, the man behind the curtain. And uh, Thanks, Austin. Exactly. <laughs> and let us know, as always, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for a future topic by emailing comments at thecybercast.us. Hey, I, I went to that website, and it says under construction. What 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 gives? It is under construction at the moment. We'll be fixing that momentarily. And when we when we do have that resolved, we'll also have some show notes that Excellent. people can go and reference as well. Yeah, we've had some folks ask about that, so we're, we're working on it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that concludes this episode of the Cybercast. My name's Joel Sosby, along with our VCIO. I'm Mike Sylvester. Thanks for joining in to the Cybercast. We'll see you next time on the Cybercast. On the Cybercast. Thank you, folks. <laughs>